stand now for the reading of God's word. We are going through Philippians chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Verse 21, chapter one, thank you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. All right, we got Bibles, Spanish or English. Philippians chapter one, verse 21 says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, I pray, Lord, you fill us up with what that means, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. One evening, a number of years ago, I was taking a taxi home. I think it was from the airport, and began to talk to the taxi driver about Jesus Christ. That is my practice to do that type of thing. And he told me he wasn't into any of that. He told me that he was happy with his whole life, which he summarized like this. He said, my life is about eating, drinking, and sex. That's what he said. He's being honest. Eating, drinking, and sex. I tell you that is not a life, that is an existence. That's existing, not living. Many people exist, not many people live. Philippians 1.21 says, to live is Christ. This includes all of life, including eating, drinking, and sex. Now, with Christ, eating is exponentially better. Drinking is exponentially better. And yes, sex is exponentially better. It's always startling to me to hear about couples who do not have Christ, how dysfunctional their sex life becomes over time. Shocking. Just dysfunction over time. Not so with a man or woman within the covenant of marriage who are both sincerely and zealously living their life with Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ. How does that all begin? The Bible says that though man was originally created by God to be in a perfect relationship with God, it says in Genesis chapter 3 that uh, it says that the relationship was shattered when man and woman chose to reject the authority of God and replace it with their own authority. Out with the Lord, in with me. With that came judgment. Bible says death and hell. But God so loved you, me, the whole world, so much, 
He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to suffer death and hell for you and me and the whole world. Since that time, God has been drawing all men and women to himself, offering them salvation from his judgment combined with a glorious living relationship with him which any man, any woman can have simply by placing their lives into his hands by faith, believing who Jesus is and what he did for them and giving him 100% control. The Bible says that at that moment, Jesus Christ, by and through the Holy Spirit, comes into your life. It says this, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's important. The Bible says that when that happens, meaning you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, it says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, Christ now is in you, and he's the hope of your glory in the future and now. The Bible says a Christian has a glory over their life when they're in Christ. Colossians 3.3 says this. It says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember, we're speaking after having believed. The Holy Spirit seals you for the redemption which is to come. You are now, having, Christ is now in you. Your life now is hidden with Christ in God. And Jesus describes all this. He says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what I was doing with that taxi driver, by the way. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. Now, why is that life more abundant? Why is that? Because now every single bit of your life is about Jesus Christ. As you grow up in your faith and love for Jesus Christ, you will see him in every encounter. He's there doing something, revealing something, leading you, speaking to you, teaching you, glorifying himself. Every encounter, the bank teller you encounter. That boss who is up in your face, that stranger in the tea, that tragedy that is staring you in the face. I talked last week about my father-in-law. Within 24 hours of uh, contracting a virus, he was lo- lost his life, had to be resuscitated, had his right leg amputated, and there were black splatches all over his body. Within 24 hours, when you have tragedy in front of you, that wedding, that birth of a baby, that person dying, that eating, that drinking, that sex, whatever that thing you are doing at your work, he's there, he's doing something, it's about him, the Bible says. To live is Christ. 
Philippians 1.21. That neighbor, those neighbors playing loud music at 2 a.m. That exam sitting in front of you that you are certain you're failing. Those people passing by as you look out the bus window. Jesus is in it. He's doing something. He's revealing himself. He's using it in your life. That football game, that flock of geese, that lightning storm, the waves in the sea, the star in the stars in the sky, that woman dancing, that guy running, the girlfriend who is loving you, the father who is cuddling you. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Your mother who is cursing you. Jesus is doing something in that situation. That song on the radio, that show on TV, that post on social media, and listen to me. That song, that show, that post may be inspiring. Or it may be evil and you turn it off as soon as you can. But Jesus Christ is doing something. To live is Christ. Philippians 1.21. Calvary Chapel, you live in a God-saturated world a God-saturated world, and to live is Christ. And you say, well, Steve, why don't you quote the Bible to back that up? I hope you're all always asking that, by the way. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I came into the body of Christ 35 years ago with such a polluted heart. I mean, every thought after every interaction, there was just suspicion, cynicism. Every thought or reaction to people, um, th th there would be sort of anger, anger and, or judgment or something like that. Someone says something and there's some stupid sexual thing. Someone says, oh, oh, that was quick. Oh, that's what she said. That was me. Just garbage. Or every interaction... Every thought is a trigger to depression, a, di a trigger to discouragement. And the Bible says that once you believe in Christ and the Holy Spirit invades, you're on a walk towards purity. Purity. Where love hopes all things, believes all things, trusts all things trusts at all times, the NIV says, and hopes all things. And Jesus Christ is, is in everything that you see. Next verse. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. A lot of fancy theological Bible language which just means this. God is in everything. 
the whole world cries out, the ocean cries out, the trees cries out, the birds cries out, human beings, that they're crying out whether they think or not, there is a God and he is glorious. That's what Romans chapter 1 verse 20 means. To live is Christ. Meaning once you start living after the Holy Spirit, after Christ is in you, you start seeing all this. And over time, you start seeing more and more. Psalm 19, glorious psalm. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world, meaning it's all speaking. Now, now some of you may be thinking, well, wait a, wait a second. Is this like... Pantheism? Where God is in everything? Is this like New Age where he's just God is in all of us? No, that's, uh, uh, that's not the Bible. In the Bible, God is the creator and then there's everything else that is the created. But everything else, else, just the fact that it was made by God to the glory of God is shouting out, although it may be inanimate and have no life in it, there is a God and he's glorious. That's what this means. Psalm 19, to live is Christ. John chapter 10, verse four, this is Jesus speaking. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. In other words, Jesus is leading you here and there and basically everywhere when you are walking with him. Now, I want to break down Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is the most memorized chapter in the history of the Bible, of the, of, of the world. And there's a reason for it. Because the guy who wrote it, David, got to the place where he got it. Everywhere that he was, God was there and the Lord was leading him. And so... He wrote this, it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. How many of you believe that really? You get it or do you get it up here and it has not come to your heart? God wants to change it. A shepherd is a, a person, a man or woman who leads uh, the sheep to wherever they go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning, he's going to lead you into a place in your life, if you're willing to go, where you will get to the place where you don't want anything else. You have him and everything that he's given you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't care for the modern translations. I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. See, see how he makes me lie down? He leads me. You have a God-saturated life. My job as a pastor, a pastor is to try to get you to the place where you see that. 
that every situation you're in, God is there, Jesus is in it, he's trying to do something. The next part of the psalm says this. It says, he leads me, notice that word leads, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, meaning he cares a lot more where he's bringing you and where you're at than you care. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning you uh, don't necessarily always want to be avoiding those unsafe, uncomfortable places, Jesus is there. He's led you there. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I was thinking this morning in my prayer time. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with the rod and staff that God whacks me and it hurts. But usually it's just a very comforting thing. God's rod and his staff. The psalm finishes... It, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's talking about a feast. That's talking about a feast where you're happy and you're right in the middle of whatever madness, craziness, enemies, whatever it is. That's because why? Jesus is there to live is Christ. My whole life is about Christ. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That's because the Lord is your shepherd all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So a great psalm just about whatever that is in front of you, if you're not in a place of rebellion in your life towards God, Jesus is there. He is there. And so, Calvary Chapel, all that is what you have to look forward to. A life that what you see and hear is what Jesus is doing in your life. He's doing something. He's revealing something. He's leading you. He's speaking to you. That random stranger in front of you is not random that stranger. He's speaking to you. He's teaching you. He's glorifying himself. Every encounter you see the Lord. Now, does all this happen overnight where you actually are aware of it? No. It does not. The Bible says that over time we grow. Over time, you grow in at least two ways. One, which is a different sermon for a different day, is your character. If your character is not changing into the character of Jesus, something's wrong. So the verse there is, um, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face. What does that mean? It means when... The sheet or the cloth is taking off our face and we're like, whoa, we see who God is, we read his word, we, we're getting to know him. We are being transformed into the same image, speaking of the image of Jesus Christ, 
from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. So two ways over time you grow. One is you're growing into the picture, the image, the person of Jesus Christ. But the second is what we have been talking about. You grow in your capacity to see the Lord in everything that you are doing. And that changes a lot, Calvary Chapel. That changes how you look at life, how you interact, and, and, and what you do. And so the verse there is Romans 12, verse 2. Let God transform you, this is the New Living Translation, into a new person by changing the way you think. You start actually thinking okay, this is really awful in front of me. From I got to run to Jesus, you're in it, you're doing something. Let's start from the beginning. Very good memory verses. Each, each announcement we hear on Sunday morning, Bible memory verses, 12 consecutive verses. We have another scripture memory coming up in... Uh, in November, which we all get on a Zoom call on a Friday night, and we memorize them. First 12 ch verses of Romans 12 is wonderful. <laughs> Let God transform you. Go, go ahead, Katya, go ahead. You can run in front. That's not a problem. Go that way. There's an, an, an aisle right there. You're good. You're good. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. So over time, two ways to grow. One, your character starts growing into the character of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, he, he only uses two words to describe his own character. Anyone want to shout out what they are? Gentle and Lowly. You say, whoa, that's not me. <laughs> hey, that's what the Lord wants you to be. That's his character. But the second way you change is you start seeing him in everything that you do. And so we grow in our ability to see and hear and feel Jesus in everything that we do. And it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. Why? We've already talked about it. We come into the body of Christ. We got issues. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 18 and 23 describe the process like this. You come into the body of Christ with your understanding darkened and with a blindness in your heart but over time, it's one of the most important phrases on Christian growth in, the, growth in the Bible. You are renewed in the spirit of your mind. Growing with Christ means changing how you think. So you go from having your understanding darkened and a blindness in your heart to being renewed in the spirit of your mind to live is Christ. 
Now, of course, there's one major caveat to all this, a major disclaimer, whatever the word is. If you are a Christian who at one time gave your life to Jesus Christ, who is living in darkness, who is refusing to let some area of sin go in your life, forget everything I said. It doesn't apply to you. Seeing him in every encounter, he's doing something, revealing himself, leading you, speaking to you, teaching you, glorifying himself. All that gets thrown out the window. If you are living in darkness, any darkness, you will not be able to see him, hear him, touch him, feel him in anything, or at least there's no expectation, there's no promise. And some of you in this room, that describes you. And to you, there are a number of Bible verses that speak to you. I think chief among them is this one, Ephesians 5.14, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Dan talked about that principle from marriage. I expect from my wife 100% faithfulness. If she's 99% faithful, that does not cut it. It's the same way with God. If I've just reserved with me that 1%, all of a sudden, if there's, I'm asleep. I can't see Jesus in what I'm doing. I, I can't see him in that tragedy, that stranger um, who is doing whatever, those birds, uh, that thing at work uh, that seems so boring. And it's boring because you don't see light, uh, Jesus in it. If, if you were walking with the Lord, you would be saying, just like Paul in Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do all for the sake of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. To live, though, is Christ. Speaking of the surrendered life. To live is Christ. I tell you, I had something just sort of blow up in my face this past week. Just a hurtful trial. Felt really betrayed. It's not involved anyone in the church, but just feeling really betrayed and, and went off on a prayer walk, couldn't shake it, C couldn't shake it. I mean, like after half an hour, it's like, you know, Lord, that doesn't get, it wasn't working. Like any Bible verse I used, any prayer, any crying, it wasn't working. But then I just, I just remembered this verse. To live is Christ. Jesus is in this betrayal. He's in it. He's trying to do a cool, wonderful thing in me. It's about something he wants to do in me. It's a good thing, and I tell you, just that comfort just came in, just flooded. To live is Christ. To live is Christ.
So the second half of the verse. We haven't gotten to the second half of the verse. To live is Christ and... Oh, louder. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Meaning, to die is even better. Is such a thing possible after what he just described? Oh, you bet it is. There's some issues here on earth. Why is it even better? The Bible says, now we see as in a mirror in the dark. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. But when you die, if you're taking notes, these six points, you will behold the glorious sight of God. What Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4, he recounts a time where he had been killed, he entered heaven, and then was sent back. He said what he saw was so breathtaking, so beautiful, so holy, it was not lawful for him to repeat what happened. That's what happens when you die. When you die, you will see the glorified body of Jesus Christ. Wounds in his hands, wounds in his face, rather, wounds um, over his face uh, uh, with thorns, but, and wounds in his feet. The book of Revelation, chapter 5, describes what Jesus will look uh, like um, to you. It says, he will be as a lamb that was slain. You will see a slain body. To live is Christ, to die is gain. When you die, you will not only see God, you will be saturated with the awareness, listen, that he's happy with you. He sees you as Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It says that God will see you blameless, before him in love. Which with the blood of Jesus, that's how he sees you right now. You just have a hard time really believing that. When you die, can you imagine being in the presence of God where you're fully aware that he is exceedingly happy with you? When you die, just as Mark chapter four, verse 11 says, when that when Jesus arose out of the water after baptism, it says, God the Father said to him, you are my much loved son in whom I exceedingly rejoice as an adopted son, as an adopted daughter. You will hear the same thing. You are my son. You're my daughter in whom I exceedingly rejoice to live as gain. But uh, rather to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's a lot better. When you die, you will be saturated with the joy of God. Recall Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 25 of a believer being greeted upon their death. Enter into the enter into the joy of the Lord. You will be saturated with the uh, uh, joy of the Lord. When you die, listen, you will be free from worry, free, uh, free from fear, free from labor. 
uh, the Bible describes heaven as a place of rest, free from physical and emotional suffering, free from sorrow, free from temptation. Free from temptation, free from temptation. Galatians chapter 5 says this, the flesh, that's speaking of your flesh, the old man, the old woman that you come into the body of Christ with, which you're going to have until you die or you get a glorified body upon Jesus' return. It says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. That's talking about you. It's talking about me. And the spirit against the flesh And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. When you die, no more flesh, lusting against your spirit, hindering you understanding how much God loves you, hindering the joy of the Lord, hindering understanding how happy he is with you as you walk with him. No more flesh. The Bible says there's a depravity which is residual in our lives. No more depravity in your heart. You will have, be in a glorified state. The Bible says that the Spirit of God witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God and if, and if children heirs, heirs of God and heirs of Christ, if we suffer with him, we will be glorified together with him. That means no more temptation, no more cares, no more sorrow, no more confusion. But the presence of the Lord, the Bible says, Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ To die is gain. Let's continue. Next verse. Verse 22, he's saying to these Philippians who he loves so much, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. What he means is that if he continues to live he knows that he will continue to be fruitful in his life, meaning the life of God in him will be reproduced in the lives of others, and he knows that's going to happen. If he dies, and he would eventually, he was executed by the emperor, the Roman emperor, but if he di- after he dies, no more of that. So he says, if, again, he says, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Then he says, but what I choose, I cannot tell, meaning, you know, I don't know if I'd rather die and be with Christ or continue on. Then it says in verse 22, for I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Now, he he knows he's with Christ there. Paul says he's with Christ on earth. But he's with Christ unhindered by the flesh that lusts against the spirit. He's not hindered by that anymore. He also has all kinds of um, physical, he has physical infirmities as well, the apostle Paul did. It says, which is far better, end of verse 23. Verse 24, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh 
is more needful for you, meaning if I stay here and I don't die, it's better for you. He had this ministry with them. He fed them the word of God. He loved them. Verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. I shall remain and continue for your progress and your joy of faith. Again, what's Paul's priority for these people? What does he see as his most important job? What does he see? Their happiness. The most important thing that I can do for you, Christian, is to make you happy and realize that you have the right and privilege to be happy at all times in Christ. That's why he says, again, if I stay with you, I continue to work with you for your progress and joy of faith, meaning joy in tribulation, joy in famine, joy in uh, distress, joy in persecution, nakedness or sword, whatever, or joy when in a time of, of abundance. Verse uh, 26 says, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So he is hoping that he will be going to them again. By the way, part of to live is Christ, to live is Christ is that word hope that in every situation there's hope when you are in Christ there is hope no matter how bad or good it, it is there is hope to live is Christ to live is Christ that means everything that is in front of you Jesus he's doing something he's revealing himself he's leading you he's speaking to you he's teaching you and he's glorifying himself okay I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time please come up worship team at this time And if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time. If you've been asked to pray, come up at this time. And everyone, you guys can stand. Please stand for the closing worship time. So we have people up here. who are waiting to pray with you as we close in the worship time. The wonderful privilege of being in Christ. Remember how we set it up at the very beginning. It says once you believe in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. At that moment, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. 
Colossians chapter 1. It also says Colossians 3 verse 3. It says Christ is with you. He is with you. It's a big old setup, people, and it's a setup by God. You have been set up perfectly, strategically, to see God in every situation of life. It takes time. Growing takes time. But if you just would like prayer, I would like prayer. For someone to please pray for me that I can see Jesus, what he's doing in this situation that I'm in, because I don't see him. Come on up. We'll pray for you. But maybe you're one of these people who are described in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul says, Awake you, sleeper. Arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Not Christ will whack you over the head. Doesn't say that. <laughs> Just because he's, he's speaking to Christians. Christians can sleep. Some of you, you're sleeping. And I have good news for you. It says, awake. Arise from the dead. You're not going to see Christ in anything when you're dead. And Christ will give you light. If you'd like us to pray that for you, if you're in a, a place for us to pray that for you, that the Lord would lead you, would grace you with just waking up so that you can see him in all of life. Come on up to pray. Otherwise, worship. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, thanking you. Thanking you for speaking to us. Thanking you for speaking to me. Blessing us here with your presence, Lord. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name.